Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for the B2B marketer looking to be better than boring. My name's Jason. I'm a marketing director from the world of enterprise technology. And today we are talking all things content marketing. You know, they say that content is king. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but it's true. And I'm a huge advocate for it. You know, for business to business organizations, when done right, it can be the secret source that helps amplify your messaging and it helps build trust around your brand and it can convince potential customers to take the leap. But when time and resources are tight, how do you get started? Fee Shales is a B2B social and content strategist who has run multi-channel campaigns for every type of organization that you can think of, from public services to retailers to financial institutions. And she's also the author of the popular marketing blog, Digital Drum, which offers plain speaking articles and interviews from marketers who aren't afraid to say what they mean. And she surely isn't afraid either. We sat down to share tips on how to convince skeptical leadership teams that content marketing can be a driver of business growth when given the proper time and resources, how to build out effective and achievable content plans, and where you can find rich sources of content in unexpected places. Here we go. So today on B2B Better, I am joined by Fee Shales, a full-time social strategist and freelancer for the B2B world. How are you doing, Fee? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. No worries. So as I mentioned, you are a full-time social strategist and freelancer for the B2B world. Tell me a little bit about that. How? What's your journey? How did you get to where you are today? Uh, what are you doing for your clients? Pa- paint a picture for me. So I feel like I've been marketing for a long time now, and, and I feel like I'm... <laughs> I don't know, older than I'd like to be thinking back on that. Um, So I guess I kind of fell into marketing through book selling. Um, And I sort of realized that I liked some elements of account management, which, um, which lent itself to marketing. And I basically went into two or three local authority related marketing roles where I kind of started to build up my skill set before moving to um, a role at a financial services consultancy um, where I became the digital manager. So basically building up their digital marketing um, capability. Then I moved into working agency side where I headed up digital at a a little agency in Maidenhead for about a year. Um, And I kind of, alongside the freelancing, I guess I kind of realized that I really liked the social media and content side best out of all of the uh, disciplines that you can kind of choose within digital marketing. So I focused on content and social in my freelance um, life. And then on the full-time work side, I moved into a role the role I'm at now um, at Together in Marlow, uh, which is another agency just focusing on social media. So for this episode, I'd like to get your take on building out a content plan as a solo marketer when time is precious. We've all been in this situation. It certainly sounds like you have Mm -hmm. where, you know, you are the solo marketer in an organization. You're doing five different things at once. You know, you're doing content, you're doing strategy, you're doing events, you're doing PR. And, you know, sometimes content marketing can just fall uh, to being a kind of a tick box on your checklist of things to do. You know, we need to publish one blog post a week. And that's not necessarily the most effective way of employing content marketing to help you 
um, achieve your objectives. So what I really want to talk to you about today is kind of how can you maximize your effort um, and ensure that you're, you're, you're generating those results. But, you know, let's start here. For B2B businesses who have yet to take the leap into content marketing, or maybe they are doing just the bare minimum and they want to they take it up a level, in your opinion, kind of what's the value in, in doing that? What's the value in content marketing? Well, I think um, if businesses haven't realized by now that content marketing is a really powerful way to generate leads and create awareness, build up authority and credibility with content, then they're really missing a trick because um, it's now been around for years um, formally. And I think the value comes from the fact that it's a response to buyer behaviors in that um, people don't respond too well to people just cold calling them, asking um, details off the cuff in emails about what their current requirements are or do you have time to talk. It's all about the buyer being ready to have that conversation and being nurtured through content which is um relevant to them which resonates with them and has ideally some value in it so businesses that haven't taken that approach or not taken it up fully yet um, particularly now since covid um, kicked off i think they need to pay it more attention because it's it's basically become an even more important way to communicate with your existing customers even and um, potential contacts prospects Um, I think it's in terms of relationship building and the fact that we're having to do everything even more at a distance since February March time um, it's the role that it's playing is going to be it's going to be even more important for businesses so it, it basically shouldn't be ignored, particularly in 2020. Obviously, you you know you, you're you're working with uh, clients that probably have already made the decision to adopt a content marketing social media approach to assist their to to assist them achieving their business objectives. But you must have come across situations uh, throughout your career where either. Um, well, where basically you're having to convince a senior leadership team who perhaps who perhaps are a little bit on the fence about whether content marketing is going to deliver results, and I suppose deliver results quickly. Um, you know, what would be your advice for a marketer who is in that position, where maybe they they can certainly see the value that so, uh, that content marketing and social media is going to bring to the organization, but they're dealing with a CEO that's saying you know, we want results now, this is just going to be a waste of your time, let's just stick with what we know. What would you say to that person? From my own experiences, I totally empathise. It's really hard and sometimes it could be more than, you know, the CEO being a bit reticent about um, investing money in that kind of programme or giving you the time and resource that you need in order to create the content that you need. I've had little battles about everything to do with digital marketing and particularly content marketing with senior people in an organization not where I am now because I'm kind of on the other side of it but when I was working in-house I would have battles with 
um, commercial directors, um, CTOs, like, about the, you know, they didn't want to gate some content. And I was like, we absolutely have to. And I remember one day I sat down with, uh, I think it was the head of sales, my, my manager, the head of marketing, and um, one of the directors, and basically said, look, if you don't gate this content, it's almost like you've taken a bunch of these copies up to the roof of this building and just thrown them off the top of the roof because you don't know who's picking them up. And if we're mm. using this for lead gen, you need to gate the content. And that's not to say that I'm the kind of person who thinks that you should gate everything because that's absolutely not true. Um, you need to be selective because some people are just not comfortable with filling in lots of details about themselves and there are some things that are not valuable enough to be gated in my opinion and so you shouldn't be gating everything but I'd say just keep at it and try and find try and work them out try and see what resonates with them what gets through to them how are sales convincing them of things which you can maybe replicate with what you're doing because senior leaders are sometimes pretty funny in their ways pretty stuck in their ways um particularly in b2b i've found so sometimes it's just getting through um a message using hard facts or in some way that really engages them and it's just sort of working out what that is i think i've i've done all sorts of things like even sketching out um the whole ecosystem of digital and how it all works together so all of the channels why things need that bit to work and just to try and explain that digital marketing and how content marketing works is not one little piece one little element it's a whole machine that works together um i found that worked with some people but not all and yeah I think it's just about finding the right way to convince people it's a lot easier if you're a solo marketer to have the c-suite on your side and putting their you know just empowering you to get on with things than having to justify what you're doing at every turn um, whether that's through approvals or even getting a concept you want to take forward approved so um yeah that's what i would say hang in there <laughs> it's worth it just keep fighting the yeah. good fight yeah uh, you know one of the things that that i've i've found fairly effective in the past um and you kind of alluded to this a moment ago is if you can kind of build a business case with other departments across the organization you stand a better chance when taking it to a leadership team or to a C-suite in uh, getting it over the line, particularly in kind of smaller B2B organizations where, you know, kind of everybody knows everyone and maybe there's like, you know, 20 to 30 people sat in a room and um, it is, you know, it can be a little bit more fluid. For instance, find the commercial lead that believes in content marketing and can see the value and launch a, a micro campaign just with them. You know, mm -hmm. so build a piece of highly focused, highly personalized, target specific content that they can take, you know, along, they can take to their prospects and you can kind of build a, a micro digital campaign around and it, it won't take, 
it's it's less um it's less scary for, for a C-suite or for a leadership because it's so because it is so small and so controlled. But actually, that will then give you, uh, if you do it right, obviously, the data and the numbers that you were talking about a moment ago to say, well, look, this is what I could do with almost no resource and with yeah. just you know one partner in the organization. Imagine if we formalize this and we roll it out across the whole company. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes it's just a case of, like you say, just... Um, what's the what's the phrase grasping the nettle and just going for something just initiating some kind of um campaign or program where you're able to control it and you can just generate some results and I remember when when I was um at my old workplace and they didn't have well they had loads of different systems to manage their digital marketing and I wanted to bring in HubSpot and there was such kind of fear around oh bringing in this one platform does it all kind of system I ended up going around to the head of IT um head of sales I all and getting their buy-in and getting their written buy-in so that when I took it to I can't remember the title of the chat now but he had to ultimately approve the procurement of this platform and and then it just sort of sailed through because I already had you know, it's, it, it, I think particularly if you're in marketing, you come across a lot of politics that don't really favour you. And so you have to take the time and effort, which isn't really convenient for you if you're a solo marketer, to get people on board, get people engaged and get their support so that you can take something through so let's say that uh, an organization uh, has been convinced, okay? So you've got the buy-in, um, you've, you've secured some form of budget, there is you know, a time frame that you have um, in which to start demonstrating some, some level of success through content marketing. What's your advice on kind of building out a manageable and achievable content plan? I think... If, if there's if resources tight you need to obviously prioritize try and uh, understand what the company what the company's objectives are where they're looking for the next six 12 months and prioritize what you're going to be working on which channels you're going to use what can't you know how many campaigns because you're not going to be able to do everything and that's just you know a fact um so put your effort into making just a few things really excellent and great and uh, rich and rather than trying to spread to yourselves too thinly uh, because I've been in that boat where I've had to um, manage a whole marketing program, get a new intranet built, things that are not even externally facing marketing kind of things um like internal comms like the whole shebang mm -hmm. and there's just no way that you can do everything brilliantly well in the time you've got um without making mistakes without missing something out so just it's, it's easy for me for me to say but I think concentrate your efforts on doing something which you are going to are convinced that's going to create the most return maybe have the most impact and uh, put your efforts there so you mentioned a moment ago um, about you know focusing in 
on you know the, the one or two things that are going to make the biggest impact and i think i'm totally with you on that you know when i'm when i'm talking to my team i'm always saying we have to work smarter not harder um which is so cliche but i, I love saying it and i love watching them roll their eyes at me and you know some of the things that 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 i've experimented with in the past is, is around kind of repurposing content so you know this is where we create one hero piece of content maybe in the form of you know a really robust white paper or research report um and we break it out you know into into miniature pieces that all kind of feedback and revolve around around this kind of hero piece um that's got to be something that for a, for a solo marketer is worth considering would you say yeah definitely and i think um there are also ways that you can do it uh, the other way around so I remember there was one time we had a blog that was written by one of the c-suite for the site and it was such a dull blog it was just terrible and it didn't do very well <laughs> but of course we couldn't really say much about it because it's a you know senior director or whatever um, so what we decided to do or what I decided to do was it kind of the subject matter coincided with a new service that we were trying to launch um, in so it was uh, to do with financial services. Uh, we took that blog and basically took it apart, put it back together and built on it. So it then became like a mini paper for outsourcing um, services and which which was what we were trying to launch. It was a new sort of department. Um, so we basically just sort of chopped it up because there was some good insight in there it was just the way it was written was quite you know not very engaging so we just kind of enriched that initial piece with more content around it and some um some pretty kind of little charts and things like that put a nice front cover on it and it looked really smart and we released it eventually and it got hundreds of downloads and the beauty of it was that it was a mini paper that had some insight in it, but it didn't take us a long time to produce because we didn't have to do a lot of research. A lot of the content was quite generic because the outsourcing services that we were providing could be uh, applicable to many different departments and types of outsourcing and things like that. So um, we got loads of downloads off the back of it and turned what was quite a flat um, underperforming piece of content into something that was the opposite. This goes this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where if you're in a position where you're trying to kind of build that business case for content marketing, um, you can look at what you already have at your disposal. Um, you know your sales leads, your commercial your commercial teams, your 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 C suite. You know they may be publishing things on LinkedIn. They may be publishing kind of thoughts um, on what's happening in the space that you can kind of take and build on. Um, and turn into this kind of micro campaign that we were talking about earlier and and that way start to build a business case because in effect you've already got an inherent buy-in just by virtue of using something that has been created outside of the marketing team if if you if it makes sense yeah i think that yeah and i think there are other things that you can do if you're strapped for time as well so another thing i used to do um because i only had one content writer and then there was me but i used to edit quite a lot um so one of the things I would do if we needed to create regular content which we always did 
um, but we didn't have time to write everything is I would go out to some industry pundits and ask them for their opinion on a particular matter and then collect all of their input and then turn that into a piece. So not only are you kind of um, by affiliation um, strengthening your own kind of the, the value of what you're putting out there, but you're also increasing the shareability of that piece because you've got all of those consultants or subject matter experts who are you know potentially going to share your piece on themselves so that's a that's a quick quicker way rather than having to draft something completely from scratch to create something of value which is topical and useful and interesting to someone without having to expend a lot of time to draft you know a thousand twelve hundred words And there's also the fact that, you know, if you're a B2B company with loads of content from a few years ago, it's it's just sitting on your site. Why not go back through old articles? What has what themes have reemerged recently where you can take that old article and you can update it and then republish it? And there are lots of shortcuts like that that you can take where you're not devaluing anything that you're putting out, but you're just being smart about how you're working with content and it doesn't just have to be external facing stuff right you can also go back and look through things like sales decks and you know event memos Um, I've worked in organizations that kind of mandated that if you were going to an industry conference or an event that you kind of send around a, a summary of kind of the insights that came off the back of that you know there's lots of stuff I think that exists within an organization that maybe weren't intended to see the light of day, but with a little bit of work, a little bit of tweaking can actually be made into some content and, you know, 50, 60% of the work has already been done. Yeah, definitely. There are, there are lots of things like that where you can utilize content, like you say, that's already available, but is hidden away in a folder somewhere. And how can you kind of spin that so that it's relevant and meaningful to your target audience? So we've all been in the situation where an email pops into our inbox um, from someone from the leadership team or someone else from the organization with a link to a news article that says, we should write a blog post about this. Oh, and oh maybe, God, yes. You, you know? <laughs> and I, I've always kind of approached kind of commenting on industry news when you're strapped for resource as something that should be avoided apart from in exceptional cases. Because I think you can kind of spend a lot of time writing about, oh, you know, such and such has happened in the industry and here's our opinion on it. Mm. And then that just becomes such a time suck and the content itself, the value of it, you know, diminishes very, very quickly. But I'm keen to get your thoughts on that. You know, where do you think lies the most value? Is it in kind of reactive, time-sensitive content or should kind of solo marketers instead be considering perhaps more the kind of uh, proactive evergreen stuff? I think it has to be a mix of of all of those. Um, But saying that things like um, things like what you mentioned with receiving, you know, the classic email where someone's like, oh, why haven't we covered this yet? Here's Mm. a link to this big news story or big piece of regulatory development news or whatever. And what you what what I used to do um when things like that came up because like you say it's it's really difficult to dedicate a lot of time to just 
on an ad hoc basis picking up those things and turning them around into pieces is I would um, talk to one of or one or two of the SMEs that that would be relevant to and if they didn't have time to kind of quickly you know jot some jot like a, a mini blog down then we could get them to use the link to the news story on their social and put a comment on it because like you say sometimes these these stories they're so like the value of them will diminish really quickly because it's only relevant for that week so I think being reactive in that way can save you a lot of time I'd like to think it's better these days and that people that are non-marketers in your company are more au fait with social and sharing and so on but I know when I was when I was um, in that position I used to plug in with their permission of course a load of the C-suite and SME accounts into HubSpot and then I would like draft the posts for them and share share it for them so I was like you know the puppet master (laughs) on social kind of and, and they didn't mind at all because they just were not interested in it or they didn't have time to do it themselves. But, you know, we got the odd lead out of that. We got the odd inquiry where someone had seen one of the um, senior subject matter experts commenting on a news story and, and thinking, oh, they, they can help me with, with my problem in my business. So I think there are other things you can do that are not about creating reams of content that allow you to deal with incoming requests like that from your senior colleagues. I think it also comes down to the importance in having a content calendar, right? Because, you know, uh, I come from the tech space and there are these kind of marquee news events that that happen every year, right? Whether it's kind of like a quarterly earnings report or it's like a developer conference. And, you know, these events make a big splash in our space. And we know that it would make sense for us to have an opinion on it. So we can prepare knowing because they're fixed in the calendar, we can prepare in advance um, to address that through our content marketing. But unless you've got a content calendar, um, a formal content calendar, rather than just some kind of like post-it notes stuck around your desk, um, where these are are marked in, these things can be missed, um, would you say? Yeah, I think you're right in that there are definitely, you know, things that will happen each year or updates to um, market regulations or industry developments that you can expect each year, big events, that kind of thing, which you can definitely plan ahead for. I think content calendars, whilst whilst I'm not against them, I, from my own experience, I've learned not to rely on them wholly because things can change and new things can get thrown in some things become irrelevant or get superseded by other topics or you know by the time you get round to them on the plan so I think there's absolutely no harm in planning ahead in that way but obviously be prepared for the fact that it's it's still quite it's still a working document it's still quite fluid um so it needs to be you know don't be disappointed if a third or half of the things that you're, you've planned in don't actually happen on time or at all. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, I, I feel like with any plan, you know, it's it's useful to have one, but be prepared to to adapt and to change uh, yeah. based on what's happening in, in your space. And I mean, this year has been like 
absolute proof of that, right? You know, everyone had yeah. plans of how they were going to tackle 2020. Um, and then and then COVID struck. And it was literally a case of, you know, let's rip it all up and figure yeah. out how we're going to how we're going to deal with this. So I think it's about being flexible, right? Yeah, absolutely. And just being prepared to be flexible, you know, not getting and you, you just have to get on with it and deal with it. And it's all hands on deck if things have to change. Make sure that you're running your content plan by the people that know most about those topics in your organisation, because they're the ones that are going to be able to help you make refinements to it, rather than you finding out the week before you're meant to start drafting that piece that, oh, something's changed and now we should focus on this. So I would I'd keep your content plan visible um, or at least share it with those key people in your organisation on a on a weekly or monthly basis just to check in with them in case something needs to be refined you've spoken a little bit about this uh well we've spoken a little bit about this th- throughout this chat but i want to pick your brains on how you can involve the wider organization in supporting your content creation efforts because particularly when you are a solo marketer trying to do everything on your own is nigh on impossible um and as, a, as we've spoken about you know sales teams leadership teams um, are great sources of information, but you know, can you walk me through a time where uh, where you were able to kind of involve other departments uh, around a kind of content project, a content campaign? Yeah, I'd say it was like a long running program, really. Um, so we went from a place where we were writing everything to receiving submissions out of the blue from people across the organisation without any warning. Um, which we'd then have to edit quite considerably to make it, uh, you know, make it the best it could be, even if even if the insight within it was quite good, to a place where I'd set up a, I think it was like a monthly content planning meeting where I had um, either heads of departments, um, so not places, not departments like IT, but departments that were, were relevant to the content creation or I had like the the SME in charge of the hot topic or whatever there. And we went through a content plan just to check that everything was um, everything was as it should be and it made sense to do what we were going to do. And then we would sort of with uh, within the group, we would kind of decide, you know, have they got time to, to draft it? Do they want to send us some bullet points? Should we try and research it and draft it ourselves? Can you just give us a few links, you know, where we can go for those, you know, the, the researching part? So there was a lot more communication. Um, and as well as that, we got to a place where, as well as me plugging in, quite a few accounts into HubSpot social accounts so that I could in a coordinated way kind of um, share out the uh, the, uh, the updates to promote these pieces um, I also got people to publish their pieces as long form articles on LinkedIn so that they were also raising their own profile through doing so and like you know building up this reputation online for being a subject matter expert in this in their topic in their discipline um there were there were like loads of things that all kind of worked together on an ongoing basis um to just get this content out there and shared 
as as much as possible to the right to the right people in the right places. I think that's a really great story. And what I want to ask you about is, you know, you, you mentioned convincing others to kind of uh, post their stories on to LinkedIn as long form articles. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that when it comes to kind of like the amplification of content um, in B2B, when maybe your social profiles aren't, you know, followed by thousands of people, asking your your colleagues and your st- and the staff across the business to kind of chip in and share across their own personal profiles is a great way of of amplifying its reach reach and drawing more attention to you as an organization and i think yeah. you know sometimes there can be a little bit of a hesitation between kind of emailing your director of sales and saying hey would you mind kind of like we've just got this blog post out would you mind sharing it on your linkedin but it's something that you know absolutely as a marketing professional you should, should you should jump on would you agree yeah definitely and i think um and I think with a bit of luck, because they've been on LinkedIn and they've seen some pieces shared or they've seen some people commenting on something that's been shared, they naturally understand why you would ask them to do that. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I've found I had to kind of physically go over to their desk and show them how to post something or post a long form article, how to set it up. And it's it's well worth doing. I think once once you if you have the patience to do that and you are willing to invest the time in just upskilling those colleagues in that minor way then I think you might reap the benefit from it. Fee this has been a masterclass in uh, b2b content marketing that I think (laughs) I think anyone listening is going to take huge huge value away from and thank you so much for taking part anyone who wants to learn more about you or reach out with any specific questions where can they find you so I'm on twitter uh so my handle is at fee underscore digital drum um, Digital Drum is my freelancing alias, I suppose. Um, and the site where my blog lives, uh, where I have guest posts as well as my own content is digital-freelancer.org. Um, and you can sign up to receive, um, I say monthly updates, but usually it's once <laughs> once in a blue moon at the moment because I'm just too, bu- <laughs> too busy. But um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot, so you can connect to me there. Um, and I work at uh, together in Marlow as a social strategist. If you if you need help in kind of identifying who I am on there, but yeah, thanks for having me. That's great. Thank you so much, Fee. Um, we'll definitely get you onto a future episode. Lovely. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. A huge thank you to for joining me today. Make sure you check out her blog, which is digital-freelancer.org. And that features a ton of useful advice on everything from making copy conversational to tapping into new sources for content inspiration. If you found this useful, just go ahead and leave a rating or review or, you know, just shoot me a DM on Twitter and tell me. It'll make my day. And if you've got any questions or there's a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell or LinkedIn. See you next time.